Welcome to The Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Caleb Smith is the 16-year-old author, CEO, and founder of Peace Bunny Island, where youth guardians train comfort rabbits to share hope and happiness during times of trauma, stress, and grief. I'd like to tell you that this show has gone to the dogs, but um, it actually hasn't. It's gone to the rabbits. <laughs> that will all make sense in just a second. I am Nicole Phillips, and um, so my guest just this week has been on Kelly Clarkson. Uh, he's been in People Magazine, uh, and now he's on the Kindness Podcast. I mean, right? Why wouldn't that be the next logical progression of what you do with your life? Caleb Smith is the 16-year-old author, CEO, and founder of Peace Bunny Island, where youth guardians train uh, comfort rabbits to share hope and, get this, hoppiness. Yeah, I like that. During times of trauma, stress, and grief, I'm very excited to introduce you to... Caleb Smith today. Hey, Caleb, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited that you would join us. Your story is fantastic, and it's in the book, the brand new book, Peace Bunny Island, which is just, I mean, people across the nation are going crazy for this. Can you feel it? Can you feel the enthusiasm? I can. It's it's a really fun, uh, really fun dance we're doing right now with the book launch and the publicity and sharing some uh, about the rabbits and the story and just this journey. Yeah, well, and this is an education in itself, I'm sure, but are you also going to school right now? I am. Uh, right now, I'm full distance learning, and I'll probably stay that way through the end of the school year, uh, but uh, it gives me a lot of free time for Zoom calls and uh, interaction uh, that I wouldn't necessarily have if I was in school. I'm so glad to hear that. We love you being able to have the time to come and do this with us. Um for people who are able to see the Kindness Podcast right now, um, Caleb is the reason why we have added another Phillips to the Phillips family. Um, this is Br'er Rabbit Phillips, and he's hiding behind Caleb's uh, this um, crate and Caleb's book there. So um, at some point he'll come out and say hi, but right now I think he just is. He's just so so curious. He just loves to figure out new things, and it's pretty neat. I never really imagined. Um, having a pet rabbit, Caleb, until I started reading your book. And I, and then I just, um, honestly, I will tell you, it, for me, it was a point of um, grief. People go through different sorrows and griefs at different times of their lives. And I um, am uh, in a season of that a little bit. And, and when I heard you explain your love for these rabbits and, and what they can do for people and what you've seen them do for people... Um, I was in. I was intrigued, and then I started doing all this research, and then the next thing you know, like here we are um, with a forever home for this guy, and we just we love him. But would you tell us how um, a rabbit became your into your life? That that became the pet that you said, yes, I, I don't want a cat, I don't want a dog, I want a rabbit. Uh, so it was first with uh, a rabbit named Snickers, and uh, he was a Dutch rabbit, and just seeing that uh, the rabbits are very small animals and relative to other animals, they're a little bit easier to take care of. And uh, we, we tried, we had fostered a dog earlier in life and we had uh, some fish and just, uh, we thought that the bunny would just be the next expansion into our family and uh, got Snickers uh, for uh, just under a year. And then he sadly passed away 
and I was looking for a new pet rabbit and looked on Craigslist. I uh, got permission from my parents <laughs> and just looked online around the Easter time and saw that there were over 300 of them uh, because people wanted um, like a short-term bunny rabbit and didn't necessarily want the 10-year commitment that goes along with them. Well, that's what I was just going to say. You had Snickers for a year, but when I started researching, this is a this is not a little temporary pet. This is a long-term commitment. Um, and did you find that that the people just were confused about that, or was it an emotional thing? Or um, and, and and at age eight, why did you care? I was just looking for uh, just a, a pet one, and a lot of people had unfair expectations of the rabbits. Um, so a lot of, and then they just got them on impulse. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of things that could be prevented. Um, lots of people found out, found out that they were allergic to them. Uh, people think that lots of rabbits will sit on your lap and watch TV with you, but they're only, but rabbits love to play and jump around and interact. And um, some of the rabbits in our program are agility ones and will do obstacle courses. So they're very energetic rabbits. Um, they, they love to interact um, and just lots of things that could be prevented. Rabbits like to chew cords, so you have to bunny-proof your house. Yep. Yeah, it is. It is. There are so many little details to it. And you're right. Like, initially, I thought, oh, I will just sit and I will have a rabbit on my lap. And that'll just, you know, pet the rabbit. It'll be so great. <laughs> and then I started doing more research about it. And, and once we got into... Uh, our rabbit into the home, what we found was that a lot of laughter followed because um, because of the curiosity and these funny little habits they have and they flop over, or they kick their feet around or whatever. But uh, at some point in your life, you realized that what you found um, as, as a good pet would make good therapy. And what experience in your life led you to believe that these rabbits that you love could have an expanded purpose on this earth? Yeah, so when we, uh, I, I picked up four from Craigslist because we couldn't save all of them because we still live in the cities. <laughs> um, so I got four of the American breeds and, um, and then took them to birthday parties and just all these places that the rabbits were invited to go to. And just seeing the joy on people's faces in these happy times of wedding receptions and bridal showers and book clubs and just anywhere that people want to see rabbits. And then um, being invited because uh, a couple of my friends went to, uh, to bring comfort to Sandy Hook after the tragedy there. And they invited me to go as well. And seeing that the comfort dogs in action uh, there and there was this uh, there's a park over there and there's little bunny statues uh in this peter rabbit portrayed um garden with these statue rabbits and seeing that well i have real rabbits and seeing just the the impact that these statues were mm -hmm. in this in this bunny garden and seeing that well if we have real rabbits then it can make even a bigger impact so then you ended up buying an island in the middle of uh the mississippi river is that right is that where it is right yeah, and so it is what is the hope for Peace Bunny Island? Is it to expand that? Uh, what you saw, the 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 garden you saw. Uh, so the the bunny <laughs> garden itself uh, is our Easter events that we do, um, and we have a whole bunch of rabbits um, at different locations throughout the Twin Cities area, and uh, teaching uh, STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math. All people play with rabbits. And it was actually at the bunny garden where I had an idea for an island 
because uh, I was tired of hauling all the pens around. And I thought, if I have an island, the rabbits won't swim off, land predators won't get on, and eagles will stay away if there are humans always keeping an eye on the rabbits. Um, and then it was kind of just a burst of uh, of just fatigue and not knowing that a few years later I'd be looking for one and end up purchasing one. Okay, so buying an island comes with a bit of a cost and you have come up with some creative streams of revenue. Talk about those. And so going to all these different places and going to birthday parties is one of the, the biggest income streams. Um, and then uh, we also have the Angora rabbits and they grow one inch of hair every month. So we can give them gentle haircuts uh, three to four times a year and it doesn't hurt the rabbit at all. And then you can take the hair and make yarn out of it and then people can knit with it. We also have donations from people and, um, and then just going to any place that the rabbits are invited to. And then this year, a book deal. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Um, so I was intrigued, especially by, um, the rabbit manure, um, idea. <laughs> this little guy seems to put off a lot. So how, how much do I need to collect to start making revenue off of that? <laughs> there isn't necessarily a, a number of what people are looking for, but a lot of organic farmers are looking for some and knowing that we have a lot of rabbits, which is producing a lot of manure and then it's like we're, we're composting it anyway. Mm -hmm. So it, it just found another revenue stream for something we're already doing. And uh, so I like to say I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Oh. So, um, okay, you are 16 right now. You're a sophomore. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So uh, my mom brain is like wigging out over this because... Um, I imagine that there has to be some component of adult mentorship throughout all of this or just just hands and bodies to help with all of this. What role do do adults play in what you do? Well, one of the biggest things right now is they drive me because I don't have my license yet. <laughs> and they're they're my they're my chauffeurs and taking me to different places. Um, and then uh, helping out with taking care of the rabbits and just being lots of the behind the scenes people. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have lots of other volunteers in our program. We have about 35 families inside of our bubble that help from taking the rabbits and doing the training on the island to taking care of the rabbits at the cottage every day um, to going to all these different places and taking care of them when we take them to different events. My little Br'er Bunny likes your book. He just knocked it right over here. Hey, you, you want to come say hi? He's like, no, I absolutely don't want to come and say hi. Um, do you have any, do you have any bunnies there with you right now? Yep. I have one. Is that the famous Oreo from the book? It, it is Oreo. Ah, you explain Oreos coloring really well in the book. And so, but I'm, as I'm looking at this, I'm noticing that mine is maybe two pounds. Yours looks quite a lot bigger. Yeah, she's, a, she's about five pounds. Um, so she's one of the, the smaller breeds. Um, and uh, we do have some rabbits in our program. We have uh, lots of the endangered breeds that we focus on are between eight and 12 pounds. And then we have um, some Flemish giants and they can be 20 pounds. Oh my goodness. I just didn't even know that 
that rabbits came that large. I mean, I know that the one we got is little, but I did not know that they went that big. So that's kind of fun, huh? Um, do you have, so uh, I read in the book that you had, <laughs> you, you decided that you needed a farm and in a bold move, went to a farm and just said, can we use part of your barn, uh, by the way, for free? Um, and, uh, do you still use that barn? Is that still part of your establishment? So we have rotated where we were in different locations. Um, there's, there's always pluses of where we are. And, um, and then in terms of travel, we've shifted, uh, but right now we're at the cottage and that's in Prairie Lake Savage, Minnesota, uh, which is, uh, right, right outside the, the Twin Cities bubble. And, um, it's about, 10 minutes out from the airport because everybody puts everything in reference to the airport in the mall of America. And yes, we do. so it's, it's right out there. And uh, it's one of the last remaining farms inside the uh, Southwest Metro. Mm -hmm. um, is that, um, I forgot what I was going to ask you about that. There was, I had a, I had a pressing question, but it's live. And all of a sudden, you know, here you are on live, live, podcasting, and then all of a sudden you forget your question. So we move on to the next one. Um, can you talk about, um, in your book, you talk about some lessons that you've learned and things like that. And I'm wondering if you can kind of share some of the lessons about kindness specifically um, that you've learned through this whole eight years of doing this. Oh, one of the, just bringing kindness anywhere you go. And um, I like to say, in terms of the the business idea is that if if you're gonna fail fail early and fail quickly because we're all gonna fail mm. and seeing just the opportunity of looking at the good things and uh, making good connections uh, just being kind to people all the time spending time with people bringing comfort to those that need it um in the in the book it talks about the power of presence mm -hmm. and just the the power of you being there uh is sometimes just enough. And sometimes you don't have to say anything. It's just you being there. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's great kindness in just showing up, isn't there? Hmm. I noticed also some kindness within forgiveness, you know, because I think that uh, anytime you put yourself out there, anytime you do something like you say, you're going to fail. So, you know, do it fast and, you know, get over it. Um, but there have been, or there was in particular, um, someone who, who wanted to adopt one of your rabbits, but really not for great reasons. They probably wanted to resale and make a profit off of this beautiful, this beautiful rabbit. And um, can you talk about your response to that? Cause you ended up having to use your own money to buy this rabbit back, right? Yeah. So it was just contacting back and it was, it comes back to those unfair expectations where they thought it would be the, the best pet ever and that they could be the, the best parents ever, that they can give their, their daughter a rabbit. And just uh, like, we're, we're still friends with these families that uh, had these rabbits. Uh, and, and the story talks about Heaven Fluff. And they ended up fostering many other rabbits um, after Heaven Fluff. And seeing that we're still friends in this power of forgiveness and that um, at some the the rabbits are, well, let's say it gets, they're discarded and dismissed and how um, sometimes you just need to forgive and um, you can't turn back the clock um, of what happened, but you can 
go into the future and change the future. Mm-hmm. Right. And not hold on to the bitterness. I noticed you didn't, there didn't seem to be any bitterness in you as you talked about these stories. And it just was everything. You seem to look at everything as a learning example. I thought of, I remember the question I wanted to ask you when you were talking about the cottage and it refers to Peace Bunny Island too, which is, uh, what can people, is this a place people can go? Where, what can we, as people who, who catch your vision, what can we do? Um, so the, right now the, the Peace Bunny Cottage is where the rabbits live all year round. And uh, we do lots of events there. Um, well, Pre-COVID, we did events there every week. Um, so now we're getting back into that cycle again this spring and summer and doing events there. The island is not a tourist spot, um, so we um, we have different contests that people can um, go out um, through our through our winners and uh, for liability things. It's 14 and older for those that can go to the island and just we bring the rabbits out short term. They can play with some rabbits out on the island, go canoeing, and then um, visit at the cottage again and uh, kind of live our life for a little bit. Mm, that's really neat. That's really special. Okay. And so people can get more information at peacebunnyisland.com. Check that out. We also put it in the comments, peacebunnyisland.com. We put the book uh, from Amazon, a link in the comments on that. And um, do you have a favorite kindness story before we let you go, Caleb, that you'd be willing to share with us? Something that just along the way, maybe it was something you did, maybe it was something someone did for you, uh, but a time when kindness was just very present in your life. Well, one of the, the first chapters in the book explains about how I was invited to go to Philadelphia. And this, this gentleman who came up and interacted with Wachi, who's one of our Angoras, and just seeing that uh, this, this gentleman came up and um, asked me personally if he could interact with him and then asked Wachi if it was okay if he could interact with, with the rabbit personally. And that's the first time I've ever seen somebody ask the rabbit individually if he could interact with them. And just seeing how much impact uh, this rabbit has helped this gentleman and how much that uh, that there's there's some kindness in the world. Mm-hmm. And that uh, this, this gentleman was discarded and dismissed. And that uh, if we change our perspective, we can see the potential and the possibility in things. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful to see see the soul of, of whether it's a rabbit or a human or whatever, to be able to connect like that with, um, with that. I appreciate you, Caleb, so much in what you're doing. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any, any call to action that you want to throw out there to people? Just that we can, uh, together, we each can make a difference and we can share some hugs, hope, and happiness. And uh, I hope you guys then have a happy day and a happy event and a uh, a little bit of a happiness in your podcast. Ah, yay. Thank you. And the book is Peace Bunny Island. And I'm telling you, I am am a big fan of the book, big fan of Caleb. Thank you so much for joining us today, Caleb. Thank you again. That was a conversation with 16-year-old Caleb Smith, founder of Peace Bunny Island. Learn more at peacebunnyisland.com.